We are coming from a very challenging time and challenging period in our world where really our faith and our trust in God has been challenged to the optimum. It really surprised me when I was speaking with Bishop Nwaka and asking how the church is in Zambia. And he was telling me how the last two years of lockdown had such great effect on the church there in spite of the fact that they were only closed down for only one week. And how many of you know that in Zambia, they didn't have lockdown like we did on the level that we had. And in the case of the church, it was only one Sunday where they were closed down. But in spite of them having been closed down only one Sunday, the effect has been so much on the church. We've had to all learn to live out our faith in God and do God's work despite of the season. We learned to continue pushing on, doing the work of God in season and out of season. When they said 50 people, we had church. When they said 250 people, we had church. When they said no people, we had church online. We've had to learn to put our reliance on God and we have learned something that God is able to carry us through. See, God has promised in his word that he will supernaturally sustain us when we go through difficult seasons. This is not my main text, but I want to read this as we start the theme, Yaruna, this month, about God's supernatural enablement. That's what we want to study for this whole month. But I want to read Isaiah 43 just by way of introduction. It's not our main text. Verse 2 and the first part of verse 3, just a short few words in verse 3, and I'm reading the New Living Translation. And this is your word. And this is your promise. It reads, when you go through deep waters, I will be with you. Oh, I didn't hear an amen here. When you go through rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. When you walk through the fire of oppression, you will not be bent up. The flames will not consume you. Why is that? For I am the Lord, your God. Can I hear a good amen? I like the way these verses start with the word when. When you go through deep waters, when you go through rivers of difficulties, when you walk through the fire of oppression. Because that word when speaks of time or occasion. This verse tells us that there will be a time when these things come. There will be an occasion when these things come. And when you go through them, don't look around and wonder and think that you've done something wrong. You haven't done anything wrong. It is just time. But I like it. It says, when you go through, which suggests that even if these things come, you're not staying in them. You're not bound in them. You are going through. Tell your neighbor, neighbor, I'm going through. This means you will not stay in the deep waters. You will not stay in the rivers of difficulties. You will not stay in the fires of oppression. But you will go through. I see you going through. We will go through no matter how dark the season. We will go through no matter how long the seasons. We will go through no matter what we feel. No matter what is going around. We will go through. And the reason we will go through is because God says, I am the Lord your God. And the word for Lord there is the Hebrew word Jehovah or Yahweh. This name as Jehovah appears 6,823 times in the authorized version of the Bible. 
The Hebrews referred to this name, and when they wrote it, they wrote it only in consonants. The name Jehovah, they wrote it J-H-V-H. The name Yahweh, they wrote it Y-H-W-H. Because they believed that it is impolite and irreverent to pronounce the name of God. And so they wrote it without any vowels. Jehovah or Yahweh is what God told Moses. When Moses asked him, when I go over and speak to the people in Egypt, who shall I say sent me? And God thought about it and said, you know what, Moses, if I was to tell you who I am, the sun will set, it will rise, you will get old and you will die, and eternity will come and I will still be trying to explain who I am. Let's just shorten it, just tell them, Nehorefela, I am that I am has sent me. This signifies that God says, I will be all that I will be. God is telling Moses, you know what, Moses? Because I am the self-existing one. Because I have no beginning, I have no end. There is no one who made me. There's no one who created me. Because I am not bound by time. I was there before time came. Actually, I was there before the world came. Moses, I am the one who, is, who becomes everything to you. If you need healing, I can be healing. If you need protection, I can be protection. If you need food, I can be food. Whatever you need, I will be what I will be. Just tell them that I am has sent me. And in, in the book of Psalms, in the book of Isaiah, he says the reason you'll be able to walk through these things is because the I am that I am will be with you. Our God, the eternal one, the unchanged one, the unchanging one, he will be all that we ever needed for him to be. And that is why we can all expect that he's going to grant us supernatural enablement. Whatever your season, whatever your time, God will grant you supernatural enablement. I want to take two scriptures and put them side by side as we talk about this topic of supernatural enablement. Psalms 126 and Jeremiah chapter 33 verse 3. In these two verses, we're going to see how God promises to sustain you supernaturally. Tell your neighbor, you will be sustained and it will be supernatural. Tell the other neighbor, you will be sustained and it will be supernatural. In Jeremiah 33 verse 3, God says, Call unto me and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things which you know not. So we see in this verse, God is inviting us to call unto him. We call unto God in prayer. We call unto God on our knees. And when God spoke to Jeremiah, this is a time when the children of Israel needed to be restored. They had been in captivity. Their situation was really bad. They really needed God to intervene because they were trying to rebuild their lives. They were trying to have their lives restored. And God, as a representative of the people, God is urging him, call unto me. In other words, call unto me, and when you pray, I will grant you this thing called restoration. He says, when you call, I will show you. And I won't just show you small things, I will show you mighty things. The word mighty things means incredible things, or things that are hard for man's understanding. God says, I will repair what has gone broken, I will bring back what has been lost, I will restore to the point that when you look at what I have done, it will blow your mind. And I'm doing that because you have called. You've called and I will show you things that you know not. God is saying, the children of Israel, all they see is trouble around them. All they see is despair around them. They are not aware that despair is not their destiny. They are not aware that even if they are in deep rivers, they are going through. 
They are not aware that even if they are in the flames, they are walking through the flames. He says on the other side of this period, there is something that is unimaginable, something that you never expected. And all I want you is to call upon me in prayer. Can I hear an amen? God says their unbelief is causing me not to be able to show them what they need. But if you will call in faith, if you will call in full confidence of me, I will show you. We can be thankful to God that our God is a God who is able to show. Our God is a God who is able to restore. Our God is the one who is able to bring a remedy. So he says, call unto me. And then in Psalms 126, as I said, I want to run these two verses side by side. It reads as follows. When the Lord brought back the captivity of Zion, we were like those who dream. In other words, we were not expecting it. We didn't think it's going to happen. We thought it's never going to happen. It happened when we were not expecting it. It happened when we never thought God can come through this way. God did something that left us with our mouths open. We were like those who dreamed. I don't know if you've ever been there where something so good happened to you. You prayed and said, I hope I am not sleeping. Because if I am sleeping, I don't want to wake up. Anybody who's ever been there? Have you ever been there where thing, it was so good that you, you pinched yourself just to check if you Utsukhile or Urubetsi. God says, I will do something that is so good that you will pinch yourself and you will wonder, am I not dreaming? And God's going to do the same thing in your life. It says, then our mouths were filled with laughter. Our tongue was filled with singing. And we said among the nation, the Lord has done great things. Verse 3, the Lord has done great things for us and we are glad. How many of you are glad that the Lord has done great things for you? And that's why we, when we sing, when we worship, it should be an extension of a statement that we make that God has done great things for us. This psalm that we are reading is among the psalms that are called by Bible scholars the songs of ascent. It's one of the psalms that used to be taken by the children of Israel and they would actually sing this psalm. It is one of those psalms that is also called the pilgrim's songs. Several of these psalms, David wrote them. Four of them in particular, Psalms 122, Psalms 124, Psalms 131, Psalms 133, and Psalms 127 was written by Solomon. These Psalms, we are told, were sung by God's people when they went back to Jerusalem to celebrate the three festivals in a year. The city of Jerusalem was situated on a high hill, and as they walked to the city, that was on the high hill, they would start singing these songs as they went up the mountain. They sang the songs as they went uphill. We are also told that when the priest finally reached the temple, the priest also would take these psalms and he would sing the psalms as he walked up the steps of the temple. These are the psalms that show we were once down, but our God has brought us up. We were once in the valley, but God has brought us up on the mountain top. We were out in the flood drowning, but God has brought us out and he has brought us out into heavenly places. And if each of these psalms begin with the title, a song of ascents, even though they were composed like this, these psalms were talking about wonderful things. Let me show you. Psalms 120 talks about God's presence during distress. Psalms 121 speaks about joyfully praising the Lord our God. Psalms 122 speaks about the prayer for Jerusalem. Psalms 123 speaks about the patience for God's mercy. Psalms 124 talks about the help that comes from our Lord. Psalms 125 is the prayer for the blessing upon God's people. Psalms 126 talks about the God of restoration, the one we have read. The Lord who has done great things. Psalms 127 talks about God's blessings on man's effort. 
Psalms 128 talks about joy for those who follow God's ways. Psalms 129 is a cry for God's help. Psalms 130 is a prayer for repentance. Psalms 131 is a surrender as a child to the Lord. Psalms 132 is a prayer for God's sovereign plan for his people. Psalms 123, 33 rather, is a praise of brotherly fellowship. And it's a song that talks about unity and oneness. And finally, Psalms 134 is a song that speaks about the praise of God in his temple. And these songs, as the people sang them, each step as they went up, they were singing songs and encouraging themselves that God is a God who intervenes. God is a God who is supernaturally able to receive us and he's supernaturally able to sustain us. And so let's go through these things. Number one, God brings restoration and visitation. When God works through supernatural ways, the first thing is he brings restoration and visitation. Both Jeremiah 33 and Psalm 26 at their core, they speak to us of God's restoration. They speak to us of God's refreshing and God's visitation. What is a visitation? A visitation is where you encounter the power of God. The power of God that takes you out of your dark, difficult situation. A visitation is when God intervenes in your life. When you have been locked in a vicious cycle of going around in difficult situation and it's like there is no way out. And God visits you and he opens a door of deliverance. God visits you and he intercepts your vicious cycle of bed. God visits you in that time. When God comes, anytime God comes, anytime God visits, he doesn't come empty-handed. First of all, when God comes, he brings himself, the author of life, the life itself. The one who is filled with light. The one who is filled with healing. The one who is filled with restoration. When God comes, he brings himself. God is light. God is love. God brings life. And when he comes, he brings his light. He brings his love. He brings himself. And so when God comes, not only does he bring himself, he comes with abundant provision. In other words, when God visits, whatever was lacking in your life, it's about to be met in your life. Whatever was lacking in your life is about to be supplied. Whatever was not there in your life, he is going to supply. When God visits, not only does he bring himself, not only does he bring provision, but God brings laughter in your life. God wipes away your tears. God takes you out of a season of mourning and he brings laughter in your life. We remember God visiting a couple that had been believing for a child for many years until they got to a point where it thought it looked like it will never happen again. Abraham and Sarah. You can imagine they sat there every day wondering if what God has said will ever happen. Let me talk to somebody here who is holding on to the promise of God and it looks like that promise will never happen. Let me tell you what the Bible says. God is not a man to lie. God is not the son of man to change his mind. God will never say something and lie about it. If it comes from God, God will do what he says no matter what you go through in the name of Jesus. And so God visits them. And he starts talking to Abraham. And when God talked to Abraham in his visitation, he tells them, next year, this time, next year, this time, your wife will be able to bring forth a child. And God came, therefore, number one, to confirm his promise. Watch this. In this time of supernatural supply, supernatural enablement. God will confirm his promises concerning your life. Not only what we read in his word, but that which was prophetically spoken over your life. For that reason, never give up on God's promises. 
Never give up on what God has promised. Don't consider your present state and write off the fulfillment of God's promise. Note this. God never said to you that you will not go through problems. God never said to you, your life will not be intercepted. What God said to you is, I will do what I have promised. Even if what God has said in your life might be momentarily disrupted, but it cannot be stopped. It may take longer than what you're expecting. Mara, one day is one day. You may walk longer, you may stay longer, you may be expecting longer, you may have to pray longer, you may have to believe longer, you may have to walk longer. Mara, let me tell you, when God visits, that will be the right time when God visits. Because God is never late, God is never too early, God is always on time. And so God visits, number one, to confirm his word. He confirms his word because he honors his promises. Therefore, he says to Jeremiah, call, I will answer. Call, I will answer. God says, I won't turn from what I said. I'm not going to change my mind. If that's what I said, use what I said. Talk back to me. Call, come before me. Make that request based on what I said. Call unto me. God says, if you call unto me, I will answer you. When God visits, secondly, he visits to make impossibilities possible. Sarah and Abraham were very old. Biologically speaking, they were both barren and unable to produce a child. But God visited. Note, when God visits in your life, he's going to take away the seasons of improductiveness. God's going to come into your life and he's going to interrupt the vicious cycle of nothingness in your life. And God is going to inject a new season and inject a new thing in your life in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so when God visited Abraham and Sarah, he gave them what was impossible. Biologically speaking, medically speaking, there was no way that Sarah could have a child. In fact, even in the Guinness Book of Records, I don't know, I haven't checked it. I don't know what is the oldest woman who ever got a child. Anybody knows? I know you people are knowledgeable people. Particularly this side here. I'm looking at all the knowledgeable people. Anybody knows? I don't even know, but I know for sure there's nobody there who's 90 years old. So when it came to Sarah, biologically speaking, medically speaking, Scientifically speaking, logically speaking, naturally speaking, observationally speaking, ethically <laughs> speaking, everything speaking, it was not possible. I'm not talking about Sarah. I'm talking about some of you who are in that situation. Where when you look at it, it doesn't look like it's possible. Everything around you is telling you it's not going to happen. But God is going to give you a supernatural visitation. Where impossibilities become possible. Think about it. Sarah, at her age, for her to be able to be pregnant and carry a pregnancy for nine months, chain betuna, that's not easy at all. So it means when God visited, not only did he caused her to be pregnant, he rejuvenated, revived, remodeled her body, gave her body new strength. Read about it. To a point that when Abraham visited another country, the king of that country wanted Sarah for his heroine. Kings those days used to have what we have now when the maidens go over for the reed dance and the king chooses among the maidens. And the maidens usually, it's 14 years, 15 years, 16 years old. Not 90 year olds. Hi, Connor. Not 90 year olds. What is it that God did to Sarah that the king could choose a 90 year old grandma in the place of a 14 year old or a 16 year old girl? I'm saying what God is about to do in your life, people will not believe. 
You yourself will not believe. Your mouth will hang open and you will wonder what God has done because God says, I'm going to visit you supernaturally. God is able to turn around what nature has ordered. God is able to override the laws of nature. God is able to override the laws of time. God is able to override everything because when God visits, he brings about new life. Number three, God visits at his set time. He says to Sarah, next year, this time. This is important. This is important. Never despair because of the delays of what you're believing God for. Should I say that again? Never despair because of the delays that you're going through. There is no delay with God. There is no lateness with God. When God does things, it is the perfect and the exact time. Learn this. This will help you. When you have done all that you need to do, you've prayed, you've believed God, you've made sure nothing is blocking your faith, you've forgiven everybody, you love everybody, you're walking in love, you're believing God's word, but still it's not happening. Listen to this. Don't take shortcuts. Don't compromise yourself. When Paul teaches about this in Ephesians chapter 6, he says, and when you have done all to stand, Stand. It says, when you have done all, stand. One translation says, and when you have fought to a stand still, you know, Basalana, Honalena Koelo or Uluana to a stand still. O fastile, O rapete, O swaratebatu, O badile baibili, O confessite, O diens and totakaofella. Mara, there is no results, there is no fruit. Paul says, Uskawara, you don't need to do anything more. The only thing you need to do, just stand. He's not saying be passive. He's not saying don't believe God. He says, don't try to do anything extra. Don't look around if there's anything wrong you have done. You haven't done anything wrong. God is going to visit you at his set time. And when God visits at his set times, he is going to restore everything. He's going to go back and he's going to buy back all the lost time. And he's going to do more for you in a short space of time. On the clip you saw when I went to my talks, and I was there called uh, Apostle Skumbuzo's church. I didn't know. When I went there, he told me he's, he's been trying to invite me for the last seven years. And it's not been working. Seven years, go fell. But finally, it worked. But interesting enough, when it worked, there's other things that God had orchestrated in the meantime. Number one. In these seven years, God granted them the ability to build that church and for it to be dedicated this year at this time when we visited. Not only that, he put him in contact with Prophet Rale Khulela. So Prophet Rale Khulela was at the same church this time at this hour. And so when we went there and there was Bo Murutukoma and there were other things and he was telling me about everything else, all of a sudden, almost like all the years that were lost, All the years that were lost. In God's set time, God took everything in the Mole and pulled it forward and brought it here. I see you overtaking people who overtook you seven years ago. When God visits, he visits at his set time. You know one of the things I learned, Bazalana. Let me share this with you. Keep a cell. Let me tell your neighbor keep a cell. Tell your neighbor, it's because you kill him, okay, that's why I let Pasella. Tell two others, keep Pasella. One of the things I also learned, Barcelona, is that the waiting period, after Orapeti, and now you are standing. And, 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 and you, you, all you have is the promise of God that I will give you Isaac. But Isaac hasn't arrived. In that period, one of the things I've learned is that that waiting, there's many things to it, but one of the things is that God starts working inside of you to prepare you and give you the capacity to handle the Isaac who is coming. 
I've spoken to many, many pastors who in their early days were praying for mega churches, big churches. They prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed, and the big church didn't come. And then, and this is interesting, Kamudimu, he gets you to pray and pray. When you stop praying and you just start believing and you start doing what's right because it's right. And then when you're not expecting it, how to how one day are you understand what I'm saying? And these pastors say, when I finally got the big church, I realized that it was God's grace not to give it to me seven years ago. Because why? Because Bendinge Korit. Oh, yeah. So even in that waiting time, God is still gracious to you to say, I don't want to give you what will destroy you. Yeah. There are certain things that even if they are yours, you're not ready for them yet. But when God visits, it is the right time. Tell your neighbor, God's going to visit you at the right time. Yeah. I've seen people, and I've spoken to some who got married when they were already fairly senior. Actually, I was, I was talking to a couple not long ago. Uh, the guy, I think, was in his 40s. I think the lady, Lena, somewhere there, or in her 30s. And they were having a great marriage, you know. So this guy, when he talked, he said, you know, when I look back, I realize, back then. I was still raw. I wasn't ready to be married. And here they are. And they said, you know, is the best time of our lives. We are glad we didn't marry earlier. So some of us, when, we are, when, when things are not happening, we cut corners. Hey, tell your neighbor, say, I want to We cut corners. We compromise. See, you applied for a job. They've been shortlisting you in the last nine jobs that you applied for. They shortlisted you until only two were left. And you were among the two. And then they took somebody junior to you. Who didn't have as much experience. And you don't understand. And you wonder, maybe I should give them an incentive. I'm here to tell you, God will take you through at the right time. Can I hear a good amen? God will take you through at the right time. I was talking, someone was talking to me not long ago about this, and he was telling me, you know, how he was looking for this business deal, and it never came. And this is what I found out. Sometimes God can lead you by, by blocking your way. Oh, but now why let you so? It's almost like he wants to make things so difficult for you so that you change course. And, and when you change course by default, have you, ever, have you ever gotten lost looking for a place? And, and I know these days Renali Siri, but I'm talking about pre-Siri. Pre-Siri. Have you ever gotten so lost? I've gotten so lost. I remember a few years ago, we went to the Azusa Street Revival. It was in Dr. Fred Price's church. And, and so before the service in the evening, we decided to go to town. So we got on a bus in Los Angeles, you know, and we went to town. And then coming back, uh, and I won't mention some people's names, but some of them are in our church. One of them said confidently, no, I know the way back. <laughs> so here we are, trying to find our way back to Fred Price's church. True story, Bazalana. We got so lost. Have you ever been so lost that... You don't even know. At least you still remember who you are. <laughs> but everything else. And then, you know, we were in a very gangster-ridden neighborhood in L.A. We didn't know. Where there's actually a pipe bomb. True story, true story. A pipe bomb that went off as we were on the streets. It was reported on the news that night. We didn't know what it was. We just had a loud bang. We had on the news, it was a pipe bomb. But this is true. Some of you may think this is not true. Pipe bomb went and we ran. 
only for us to run into the correct direction. That's a funny story. Just only, and then we, then we realized, oh, here's the church. So God uses a pipe bomb. Can you imagine, Mazalan, to direct us to, see, some of you, you are wondering why God is trying to redirect you and redirect you. Because God works in his set time. Can I hear a good amen in the house? Yeah. God visits at his set time. Hallelujah. Number four, when God visits, he comes to change our sadness into laughter. Some of you, you've been crying too long. You've had long seasons of pain and crying. But I'm here to tell you, through supernatural enablement, God's going to change your mood. Sarah was a woman who was of a bitter spirit. Even though she didn't say it, she wasn't happy. When she looks around and she sees her peers, she sees her colleagues, she hears them talk, she can't talk like they talk. Even when she talks, she has to edit what she's saying. Maybe sometimes they are just talking casually. Mara, as they talk, referring to, you know, my child and no other does, had a birthday the other day, and she's thinking within herself, when will my turn come? And so she sits on this sadness in her heart. But you see, God can see your tears. And God says, I will visit. And when he visited Sarah, God said, call that child Isaac, which means laughter. In other words, when God visits, he changes everything to laughter. His manifestation, when it comes in a tangible way. You see, be aware that his divine enablement, his manifestation is not an exception. Instead, it comes because of your expectation and my expectation. He told us to call on him. He told us to pray. He told us to come to him with his promises. So we are expecting. So you should understand that we should look up to him and see what God does in our life and look at the things that he's going to do. God is going to fulfill prophecy in your life. God is going to remove barrenness in your life. So here are the things quickly as we close. Number one, when God visited, it was a fulfillment of prophecy and a removal of barrenness. In other words, a visitation of God breaks the long season of a vicious cycle. Some of you, you haven't known times of joy for a long time. You haven't known time of provision for a long time. You haven't known time of health and healing for a long time. Some of you, you look in your homes, it's been a long time since you just laughed as a family and you just hugged one another. Some of you, it's been a long time since you knew what it is to have the month end with some money left in your pocket without having to scrape through the cupboard and try to make things meet. God says to you today, I'm going to intervene in that period of barrenness and I'm going to make sure I give you laughter. I'm going to intervene in this period and I'm going to turn things around. Can I hear an amen? A visitation from God breaks long seasons of barrenness and it results in the fulfillment of prophecy and the birth of Isaac, which means laughter. Number two, we should be aware that and recognize that God has seen our pain and he has come to act on behalf of us, his people. God is touched by the feeling of our infirmity. See, Jesus, as our high priest, he's touched by the feeling of our infirmity. In Exodus 4.31, the Egyptians remarked when they heard that the Lord had visited the children of Israel and that he looked on their affliction, they bowed their heads and worshipped. What happened? They realized that God visits people who are in pain. When the Israelites were visited, it broke the long season of bondage, the long season of toil and slavery, the long season of being abused, marginalized. God came to them with his power 
and he intervened in that season of pain. May God heal your pain. Whatever pain you are having, may God heal your pain. Whether it is pain in your heart, pain in your emotions, pain in your body, whatever pain you feel, may God heal that pain in the name of Jesus. As God visits you, as his divine enablement comes upon your life, a visitation from God is able to break the pain. Number three, a visitation from God signals divine help and divine provision. God comes to our aid. God comes to our help. And God provides what is needed. Oftentimes, God doesn't provide the way we think. But he does provide. Listen what the Bible says. It says, my God shall supply. Say it again. My God shall supply. My God shall supply. God promises to supply all your needs. He didn't tell you how. You missed that. Let me say that again. God promises to supply all your needs. He doesn't tell you how. Let me give you a testimony, personal testimony. 1982, I had several accounts that I wanted to pay off. I prayed and I believed God and I said, God, I want to get out of debt. I want to pay off these accounts. I was working. I was saving money. I wanted to move on with my life. I want to pay these debts. All right. And, and I believed God. I didn't take too much that I could repay it, but I wanted to pay them off. Right. So here I was on my way to Bible school, walking in the city center. I meet this gentleman that we had been with at Youth Alive. He's pacing up and down one of the streets there. So when I see him, you know, we greet each other and we hadn't seen each other for a while. So we do catch up talk, you know. So as we're doing catch up talk, in the process, he mentions in passing, right? He says, as Umpo now walking around here, I've seen a Buruchuba Dobshaya in the shop over there. And I've got this money. I, I wanted to buy these pens. Mara And I am short of so much. He mentions the amount. And it just so happens that the amount he's mentioning. <laughs> Come on now. It's exactly the same amount that I had in my back pocket. But God didn't say anything to me yet. So I said, well, praise the Lord. Let's agree in prayer. So I prayed for him. And I said, the Lord bless you. The Lord provide. I agree with you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Receive. And then I left. As I was leaving, in here, it was not a voice. It was just this unsettling feeling. But just like you, I kept on walking. In spite of what I was feeling, I crossed two streets, three streets, fourth street. Couldn't take it anymore. And I said to God, all right, God. All right. Kikupawutsa. Are you trying to tell me something here? And God said, of course. He said, of course. Do you know why, why you walk down that street at this sad time? You know why you bumped into him? Not a coincidence. Ah, I set you up. Because you are the answer to his prayer. The money in your pocket. Hey! No, no, I wasn't as happy as you are. And then I said, all right, God, I'll go back on one condition. If I find him, I'll give him the money. But if I don't find him, I shall keep it. So all the way there, I was just wishing that I don't find him. (laughs) Unfortunately, (laughs) God being God, I found him there. And I went to him and I said, hey, bro, you have to forgive me. When you were talking, God was talking to me. And I took out the money and I gave it to him. This leads me to my last point, Bazalam. Sometimes in God leading you through supernatural enablement, he will instruct you. 
to do things that will activate your miracle. Are you there? You see, sometimes when we've prayed, when we've asked God, there are certain things that God instructs you to do. Yeah? The widow woman who didn't have food in the house. The prophet says, no, make me food first. God was going to supply. God was going to bring supernatural enablement. But that supernatural enablement is preceded by an act of obedience. When you read the Bible, you know that all the people that Jesus healed, he didn't just heal them. He gave them an instruction. When a withered man, man with a withered hand came to Christ and said, Lord, have mercy on me. Jesus could see the hand is withered. But he gives him an instruction. Stretch forth your hand. Do something. When he met a man lying on a stretcher, what did Jesus say? Stand up and walk. Do something. Some of us here, the reason we are not able to break into that area of supernatural enablement is that when God speaks to you to do something, you don't obey. Many times, God will lead you to sow a seed for your miracle. Yeah. Give something for your miracle. Yeah. But many people don't want to obey. They obey other things, but when it comes to giving, mm-mm. It's a holy soul. Look at your neighbor and look at their hand. Just examine it very, very carefully. Examine it very carefully and pray for it. So, after I had given this man the money, I prayed with him and I left. Within one week, somebody that I, even today, I don't know who that person is, paid off one of my accounts, which was the, the biggest amount of that account. To date, I don't know who's that person. Even today. Maybe God sent the angels, I don't know. But I'll take it. Anytime. I want to pay for this account. I still had six months left. Six months left to pay for that. Six months, six months, six months. Advocate, six months. And, and someone goes and pays it off. Six months worth of an account. So I went to go and pay. So they look up in the books. They say, no, it's paid for. I said, no, I never came to pay. They said, yeah, you never came to pay, Mary. It's paid for. I said, who paid for me? They said, whoever paid for it told us not to tell you. It's paid for. Yeah. Activate. Activate the miracle. Let me share this with you as a final thought. I'm just sharing to give you testimonies. I was traveling with one pastor. We were preaching in some province together. And it just so happens we were preaching at the same conference, sleeping at the same hotel. So when we went for conference for the sessions, I said to him, look, why don't you take a ride with us in our car? No problems. So he comes in the car, rides with me. And as he's driving with me in the car, as I'm driving down, the, the Holy Spirit says to me, immediately the Holy Spirit says to me, you must give him this car. Now, now, I just want to share with you, Mercedes-Benz Atlas, beautiful. I mean, nice one, very nice. Nice Atlas. Still new. Atlas. Says, give him. Hey. I don't know. I had learned by then. So I said, okay, Lord. I'll do it. But I didn't tell him. Interesting enough, as we're driving down the road, this pastor starts telling me, confiding in me as a friend. Hey, man. Hey, my car is giving me problems. Hey, my car. Hey, man. I'm trying to fix it. At this, this, this. And I'm sitting there thinking, wow, God. I still didn't tell him. Because I first had to make sure that I go home and talk to my bishop, who has always been in agreement with me. It's never once has she ever said no. So I go home, and I go to my bishop, and I said to her, my bishop, this car, this Hitler's. The Lord spoke to me. She's never, not once has she ever questioned. I don't ever remember one time she's questioned. Not once. Not once. I'm telling you. And I'm grateful to God. So we then agree, me and her, okay, we'll take it through to this person's home. We'll drive there. So I called this pastor. I said, look, my wife and I would like to come see you and your wife. We just, just for a short time. And tell him, 
So we drive in both cars and we get to the house here high and I park the Mercedes Benz in the yard. <laughs> His yard. And we come out of the castle, we visit with them for a few minutes and I say, but actually the reason we are here, you remember that day when we were driving together in the car? God told me we must give you this car. He was blown away. Blown away. And we gave them the car. He tells me later that his church members, when they saw the car, they said, this, 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 these leaders must really love you to give you a car like this one. They must really love you because we, we've never... But you know what's around? On the back of that, there was another miracle that came later. It wasn't a car because sometimes it's not that God gives a car back. But it can come in terms of buying churches, church growth, other opportunities. Here's the point I was trying to make. Sometimes when we pray, we're expecting God. You see, with my account, I was expecting God to give me money. I was expecting someone to give me money, but God didn't give me money. But he supplied my need. Supplied my need. Some of you, you are not realizing that God is supporting you. You may not be working. You may not be having money, but you never go, you never go to sleep empty, empty, with an empty stomach. Oh, come on, somebody shout in the house, you never go to bed with an empty stomach. Because somehow God is able to supply for you. Somehow God is able to come through for you. Somewhere how somebody just comes and brings things in your home and somebody gives you this and somebody just by it is not coincidence. See God in there at the set time. And God comes through for you. And God is able to supply our need because he's a God who's able to supply supernaturally. I say this month is your month. This month you're going to see God work in your life. Ah, you see, you are missing it now. You are missing it. I'm prophesying to you. I said, I see God enabling you. May God enable you in your business. May God enable you in your home. May God enable you at school. May God enable you in the church. May God enable you in your health and in your strength. May God open doors for you. May God speak to you in a voice that's clear. Let's all stand on our feet and let's give the Lord the biggest praise and the biggest shout that we ever have in our lives. Come on, give the Lord a big kind of praise. He's worth it.